Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck, and I am your host, and your name is Listener, and that's what you do. You listen. On today's show, Kim Petras. Kim is a pop star. She's a brilliant songwriter, artist, and she's my friend. I like having famous friends. I enjoy it, especially people like Kim, who I knew before, like pre-fame, which in theory endears me more to her. And because I knew her before, listen, the reality is when people are famous and you meet them post-fame, like once they've, you know, like they've leveled up to the big boss mode, it's a very small chance that you will ever have any version of a relationship with them. And you'll want to, and so will they. It just won't be possible because while you're going to your job at H&R Block, they're in Barbados with Richard Branson going kite surfing. And that's just not for us CPAs who work at H&R Block doing God's work. Um, I did a movie with Chris Hemsworth 10 years ago. Before he did Thor, we had a great time. He's a mensch, a beauty, a sweetheart of a guy. And I have no doubt that nothing has changed. But the reality is, we don't talk. <laughs> I mean, we talk. No, we don't. But we would, in theory, nothing's changed except he's gotten absurdly, ridiculously, over-the-top, unfairly famous. No, no. I, I'm kidding. If anyone deserves it, it's, it's him. He's a beauty, but you know, he's busy being famous and I'm busy doing a very middling podcast at some many, a few, more than a dozen people like. And for that, I can sleep easy at night. In fact, knowing that a good handful of salt of the earth people listen to this podcast, well, that's my emotional ambient. It puts me to sleep at night in a way that no pharmaceutical could, except Valium. Valium is an incredible drug. It works well, quick, it's clean, nice, limited hangover. But other than Valium, it's you guys. Um, but I, I met Kim when she first moved to the States and she was working with a good buddy of mine, CJ Abraham. And, you know, I talk about it on the pod, but you know, CJ was like, you got to check out Kim. Like she's pretty something special. And I had, I had met a couple artists that CJ had worked with and, uh, and I, you know, they failed to blow my mind. And then all of a sudden Kim played her music and I was like, Oh shit. Oh, Oh, you, you about to be famous, famous. You got, Oh, okay. You're gonna, I hope you remember me. Cause you're not gonna, yeah, we're not going to be hanging out and 
CJ's uh, garage studio much longer because you're gonna be you're gonna be at uh, Chance the Rapper studio. And also, who are the famous people? And also, uh, you know, you're gonna be performing live from Little Uzi Vert studio soon. So you know, I don't know. Are those famous people? Anyway, she's gonna be performing with the best of the best, and she already is. Uh, she was recently on Jimmy Kimmel Live. She is just crushing it. Um, and I can't wait to share this interview with her. You know, she's also um, an incredible advocate for the transgender community. And she has shared her story about sort of what her incredible life, what she's been through and what it took to get her here to uh to this this special moment so i hope you guys enjoy this here's kim petris so can i tell you i probably would have never had the chance to tell you what my first impression or the first thing i remember saying about you was when when we met yeah because you and I have a mutual friend. We do. Super Chris Abraham. Yes. Shout out Super Chris Abraham. God bless him. The I best. I know. The absolute best person there is. And you had sort of newly moved to LA. I think it was like mm-hmm. 2014, 2015. Yeah. And, you know, Super Chris is one of those spectacular people who like, he just loves finding new talent. Yeah. And he loves getting excited about that. And Yeah. That sort of a double-edged sword because there were many people that CJ had worked with where I was like, CJ, this ain't it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. You don't have the heart to say that. Yeah. But you're just, you're like, I'm not quite sure this is going to come together. And yeah. then I remember meeting you and you were so lovely. And then, oh, thank you. And then he played Back me some you. of your music. And I just remember thinking like, finally, CJ got a winner. Oh my God, yay! <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. You know? I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I love the dude. I mean, he let me like live in his garage and shit like that. You know, like it's just like cool when like somebody uh, believes in you and is, and is excited about you. Like it was so awesome. And like that, like I didn't know much about like the whole like CJ universe and like you guys. And obviously like I, I watched like all the shows that he's been a part of uh, and loved them. But uh, I didn't quite know. And then like it kind of just like dunked me into like his crazy universe. And it's like really amazing. I hope one day there's like a documentary or something about, uh, you know, about him. Like oh, he's so, will such be. a like He'll be a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll I probably cannot, be working for him. I mean, yes. yes. <laughs> Same. For I, sure. I just, but it it is such a fun, I, I wonder for you and you tell me like, I guess because you live it every day, mm-hmm. it's sort of like it doesn't feel as fast to what it seems for me to have watched your ascension, right? Yesterday we were in his garage and you were just like this talented new performer. And now it feels like the world knows your greatness. Thanks. Does it feel that way? Does it feel fast or does it feel Um, like, no, I've been waiting for this my whole life. It does. It does feel like both a a lot of the time. Um, I feel like it's definitely been, uh, like quite a long journey just for me emotionally you know like yeah. I've been working on this like since I was like 13 or something you know writing a song like every day like making that goal and like I, I feel like I got good like around 2014 like around that time when you met me like that's when I started like finding my own thing and finally like writing with people instead of just like in my bedroom and stuff like that and uh, yeah, but just the lead up time was so long. And then in the last like three years, kind of everything went down. Yeah. And 
Yeah, but I, but I do feel like I've kind of built it like built it like step by step. Like it wasn't like a you know, I don't have like a number one hit or anything like that. Like I didn't like you know, not know like overnight success. I kind of just built on top of each other and kind of took it step by step, you know, and like my t grew my tours and grew my fan base and uh, I think just started like learning about like the industry and stuff like that so it, so for me it just feels like a step-by-step -step thing yeah but it's cool that you feel that way like that's that's really awesome but but yeah I I'm so happy with where I'm at and I'm you know every time I like um you know when when I used to be able to go on tour every time I would look in the crowd I, I would be like holy shit I can't believe this many people would come and see me or even know about me or anything like that you know so It does feel really cool in those moments. It's an interesting thing, right? Because talented people take that leap, which is really, I mean, you have to be like bordering on mentally ill to yeah. believe that like, no, 20,000 people will want to buy tickets to me. Yeah. Right? Like it's, it's a wild risk. Yeah. And yet, and then, but there are plenty of people who think that that are out of their mind wrong, right? That yeah, are, of course. That'll never that'll never get there. And then to have that validated and to be like, I was right. Like I knew it. That little voice told me to do this and I did it. That's gotta yeah. be an insane feeling. Yeah, totally. It's, it's just, I, 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 a lot of the times feel like I'm like one of those like crazy people and I'm like, fuck, like I still feel like I <laughs> yeah. am. You am know? I like, an imposter? I don't think anything's ever gonna like fix that. Like I'm always gonna like, there's always gonna be a part of me that's just like, you know, that does not realize that. And that feels like somebody who believes in some ridiculous shit and is, you know, just, yeah, I don't know. Because like so much of this is like fighting for like your vision and like doing it exactly as you want. And then people immediately think you're nuts, you know, because it's like, no, this has to be this way. And I right. want to sing it this way. And no, this angle is wrong. Or no, this shit is, this lyric sucks. Or, you know, people, yeah, it's just like, It's still very much just, I'm always just trying to make another vision like exactly the way that I see it or exactly the way that I want it or exactly the way that I wanted to do it as a kid or just like some random thing. And like, I, I still feel crazy and I feel like that's a part of it. And that's just something that like, I think people uh, who are in, it, in, in any way talented or artistic or anything like that, they always feel like they're, you know, like, am I fucking nuts? And yeah, I don't think you stop, but... When maybe I'm not, maybe I am, but you're probably it's kind of cool not to know. I feel like you're teetering. Yeah, like yeah. I also feel like if you knew, you wouldn't be like a good artist, you know. So you kind of don't want to know if you're nuts, and you kind of don't want to fix everything about you. Or yeah, it's it's weird being an artist, but what's, it's amazing. What's the other side of that? So like, if that if if dipping your toe into the crazy aids you in your artistry. Is it also when you're not doing your art annoying or does it like get to you to have so much going on in your head? Um, sure. Yeah. Sometimes I feel yeah. like sometimes I stand in my own way, like, like everybody does. And, uh, I often feel like when it's just like, when I'm like asking everybody, like, is this too ridiculous? Like, is this concept like too crazy or like too Uh, extreme or too basic or you know it can go anywhere I can feel like all these like spectrums of things about like what I make yeah and uh, I feel like most of the time it's just when I like blindly believe that it's somehow good even if some people are like 
like really you're gonna stack like a hundred fucking harmonies on this shit and like make it huge and uh stuff like that you know it's, it's mostly when I think I you know I take risks like that that people really like it and that my fans really like it um so it's weird but yeah I stand in my own way sometimes I'm like no it's like to this and then I do like you know and then I make it more basic and then I hate it and then it's a spiral you know so yeah I've heard I've heard Kanye talk about like it, or there's this great Thelonious Monk quote of like the greatest artist is the one who is most like himself mm-hmm. and and it sounds and Kanye echoed that too was like I think my superpower is how much I I'm not influenced mm-hmm. like it I really don't care about other people's opinions. I'm yeah. very much self-driven with my vision. Do you do you echo that? Yeah, it's it's hard though. I feel like it's really hard not to listen to other people's opinions. I think especially in anybody's like beginning phase. And I think that can sometimes like drive you in like a wrong direction and something like you don't want to do. And uh, some people who get like successful with something that somebody told them to do get really unhappy because they're like, oh, fuck, I listened to this person and it worked, but it was never what I wanted to do, you know, and then they try, then they try to change it or stuff like that. Or, um, who, yeah, I who definitely... Are, who are people like that? Like boy bands? Like manufactured I don't, I don't kind know, of... Probably. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, I can just like, just like I know from like, you know, great like songwriter friends who just listen too much to like their friends or listen too much to like and other people's input and like I think the best advice is to like listen to yourself and have your own vision like just nobody can do it for you you know if you really want to do something and prove something but um but yeah I I completely agree with that and I think it's really really hard in the beginning of a career to not go with what like somebody who's had a success or something tells you you know you're like Oh, you're probably right because like you've had a hit or you know just like right. stupid shit like that and that's not, that's not true like it's never true like what's right is what you feel is right and that's something that's like some confidence you got to like build and uh yeah and that's super hard and I think that takes like strength and uh, that's why a lot of the artists I I think I really uh resonate with and I really like uh are are necessarily the most like mainstream successful ones like because they don't necessarily care and they just make what they want to make and that's up to other people to define if that's great to some people if something's a mainstream success that means it's great that means it's great music and validated by the masses totally and the other stuff is just like artsy music doesn't matter and to other people it's like if something's a mainstream success it automatically automatically sucks because like a large group of people loves it and you don't want to be a part of like a large group of people you want to be different you know so I feel like there's uh yeah there's different sides to shit and that's like defined by anybody themselves you know so is your music always an audience of for an audience of one first or are you ever trying to make something that you think the people will want in that moment um I I have done that I think I've done I've written songs that I was like Oh, like large, like the the general public will like this, how, how you, know? Does that go? <laughs> you know, or like, uh, yeah, just like, and that usually sucks, you right. know, or I'm like, uh, or somebody's like, this is something that like straight girls will like, or, you know, just like all these people have like these like definitions of what like a song 
has to be and like whenever I try to do something or for even for like other artists or for myself that was like you know this is gonna be like I'm gonna like you know just make something that I think everybody will like it's been like the most vanilla shit ever and I hate it you know Ugh. like and I look back at it and I'm like why did I ever want to write anything like that um so yeah I think that's like a bad idea in general to want to so pander and totally isn't yeah. it no for sure it's super super tempting and there's some people who have it down like there's some people who have figured out what's going on right now and what people want to say right now and how people want to talk right now and what people want to say I, I I think there's definitely like a lot of writers who are super talented and great at that it's just something that I I don't like to think that way and that I don't think is like my strength Yes. I think whenever I do that, I kind of suck and I kind of, you know, blend in with stuff because like that's the goal, you know, to like blend in and sound like other things that are out there, sound like things that you think other people might like, but you don't actually like. Um, so yeah, I've kind of gotten over that and I've kind of just, uh, yeah, I, I've learned a lot. I think what my fan base likes because I know them pretty well now. Like I've done like a ton of tours last year like I, th I did like six tours or something last year wow. alone and like the year before no last year I started touring like 2019 I started touring and uh, yeah I feel like I've learned just like a, a ton about my fans and they're like a very specific group of people um, who just really feel uh, really free and uh, at my concerts and go really wild and I, I don't know any other fan base like it and that makes me really really proud because I think they're very unique they're very like different You know, that they remind me of me. Just a lot of super pop stands. Um, yeah. And I, I used to be like a Twitter stand and stuff like that and be really into that. And uh, I feel in a lot of ways like, like I used to be them. Um, so yeah, now I sometimes write with like my, my fans in mind or just like having, you know, my fans write me like a lot of stuff. Like I text with my fans. They write me their stories and their life and what they're going through and I think that can definitely like bleed into my music and what I want to write about just like with friends you know when you have a conversation with a friend and you're like oh that makes a great song or that makes a great concept or you know when somebody just talks about their raw uh, emotions or what they're going through so I, I think that influences my music but at the base of it I'm making music for myself and for I'm, I'm making what I want to make and what I want to hear and what I think should be out there. And um, you, yeah, what I like and what makes me like dance or what makes me smile or what makes me feel like I can relate to the song. Do you notice like with with something like Malibu or your songs like the, the you know, the super hits? Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. You know, you hear about like, you hear Billy Joel talk about how he wrote Uh, New York State of Mind in like 15 minutes. He was driving mm -hmm. home on the Greyhound bus on the Hudson River Line in New York. And he's like, wow. I'm on a Greyhound bus on the Hudson River Line. I'm in a New York State of Mind. I should write that. Yeah. <laughs> and then amazing. 20 minutes later, it's one of his greatest songs ever. The <sighs> dream. Is there like an, is there a weird certain ease to when it's just right? 
Yeah, for sure. It, like you can't reverse engineer it. It just it just lines up correctly when you're writing something like that. Yes, there is magical moments like that 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 just happen like that. But there's also just brain numbing, difficult, problematic ass <laughs> crossword puzzle ass songs that just you know are gonna be great, but you just can't quite do it. That can take like days and days, and I'll worth it like I've, really? I've definitely like stuck through some really difficult songs like I think my like biggest song is hard to break still and uh, that one took like a month or something to write like we were like daily focusing on every single word and such a simple lyric like it's embarrassing honestly <laughs> how long it took us but it was just it needed to be like just right and like nothing was just like hitting right and we knew the potential of the song and like how good the melody was because the melody came like first before any words mm. and then we kind of went back in and crossword puzzled it and it paid off in that one um Another one's like you you do it again and again and again and you're like fuck it's just not as good and like maybe there was even like a mistake like sometimes there's like gr grammatical like or just like incorrect ways of saying stuff and they just sound so much better and you just can't like you can't you try and fix it again and again and it just doesn't sound as good like that's definitely happening all the time and uh, it's a curse sometimes because like you don't want it to be the like you know, incorrect or it just like came out of you in a freestyle, but it just sounds cooler than anything else you can do. But you know that, um, that you're going to get tweeted when that song comes out. Yeah. Like, um, Kim, this <laughs> actually doesn't make sense. Yeah, for like, sure. But does it sound dope percent. as shit? Like you're yeah. killing me here. I completely like I now try to not think about that even a little bit. Like I just whatever I think is like the coolest shit I can possibly make. I make and I, I try not to care. And I think that's the ultimate goal of like being zen. You know, <laughs> like zen goals is just like I make what I think is really dope. And if people think any kind of thing about it, it doesn't matter. Like I think this is the coolest shit and I fully believe in it. And I, uh, you know, and this is exactly what I wanted to hear. And yeah, like that's the goal. Just like having the confidence to like stand behind something and, and I admire that about people too you know when when people are like um there's the Ariana song that's like um what does she say in it like Max Martin wrote it and it's break free and it's like uh who I really are now that I've become who I really are like it sounds so much cooler, but it's so wrong. And they knew right. it, but they were like, this sounds cooler. So we're going to sing who I really are. And it just is better than who I really am. And uh, I admire, like, I think that's like confidence, like confidence to be stupid in pop is so important. Like the confidence to just do things because they're catchy and they sound cool. And people might think there's a stupidest shit in the world. But to run with it, like, that's so brave and, like, amazing to me. So I love stuff like that. But you bring up a great point with Ariana, who, you know, we come from the same, you know, the Nickelodeon family. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I got to watch, similar to you in, in certain respects, but, like, Ariana truly at the beginning of her career. And that girl was confident. Even amazing. when she was 15. And, by the way, she deserved to be. Because, like, she would walk around her house when they would have parties at their house and you would hear like this incredible voice coming through the hallways. And she was just yeah. like, she was like, oh, I have this riff stuck in my head and I can't stop singing until it's out. 
Yeah. And I was like, cool, please don't That's stop. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> and but there's a great old saying, which is like a comedian gets on stage and says, get ready because you're gonna laugh. You'll probably laugh at what I'm saying, but even if you laugh at me, just laugh. And um, a rock star gets on stage and goes, stare at me because I'm about to fucking knock your socks off. Yeah. And it sounds like to what you're saying, and, and same thing with Ariana, like it takes a certain level of confidence mm-hmm. to be able to walk out there and be be like, I'm about to entertain you for 90 minutes, so strap up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think comedian, being a comedian, some some of the craziest shit ever, especially people who just come up with stuff like at the spot and like really go out there and do that. Like yeah. I watch a bunch of stuff about comedians and it's like so such a like if I didn't sing if I had to talk I would fucking die like I I can't like talking is like one of my weak points in life it's like when I feel really awkward like I can like stage talk and be like thank you and shit like that yeah but, you know what'll get a yeah but get I, a rise. I admire that so so much uh just like I, I I really do but but yeah there's something like I I don't feel like I'm in in life I'm a very confident person in general like I'm very like self-doubting and stuff like that and uh yeah insecure and you know I I, yeah that just like me but when I go on stage like that's I it it's like a switch and I turn super super confident and same in the vocal booth like it's just like that's what singing has always been to me it's been like a escape and like a super character of myself or like a super version of myself that I can turn on and kind of disappear into and like it just I, I like stop thinking my brain stop stops overthinking everything and I just like turn like a switch and it's really really cool um and yeah so I think that's always been like my way to like escape life or insecurities <laughs> or feeling you know any kind of way it's always been just like building this uh yeah confident version of myself that I can be on a stage or when I'm performing or when I sing in any way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. How early can you track? And maybe it was, you know, like when you were a kid growing up in, in Germany, like how early can you track the need to escape? Um, I think like super early, like five, like six. I, I felt always like just really into like I was always really into costumes I was always really into makeup I was always really into um like singers like musicals any kind of music I was obsessed with my mom was really into like Cher and like Liza Minnelli and like Frank Sinatra and just like (laughs) the like great like old uh, hot, not not calling anybody old, but older. Just, yeah, older. Just the like classics. the 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 classics, like the great people. Yes. I, I guess. And um, yeah, that's just what I used to like watch all day as a kid and like uh, escape into. And uh, you know, I like sew little outfits that I thought were awesome and 
they sucked. But I like ran around my garden with them and like, you know, I don't know, acted like I was on a stage. So it's just been always been like a, a thing for me um, that I've just loved really, really passionately um, since and I can like remember. Was it also escape? Like, was it sort of like for many of us growing up, was it kind of wonderfully mundane? Like here was this fabulous alternative to what was just kind of like a classic yeah. suburban life. Yeah, for sure. And like, I, I think my I think my mom always just like, was kind of that crazy person in my life who just always believed, uh, you know, that that you can be whatever you want to be and was always kind of a little greater than life. Like, my mom is just like, you know, always wears like makeup, always like puts on a look, like always, uh, she had like a dance studio. She would do like these annual like dance shows and stuff like that. And they would have like the costumes, like in our basement, it was like giant, like skirts when then it would like get lifted up and it would be like, you know, the JLo thing that she did with like the mm. giant skirt and stuff like that. And we just had stuff like that, like in our basement or like dragon heads or like, you know, just things like that. So I just feel like that like fueled me as a kid to just like imagine stuff and to, uh, yeah, to just want to, you know, create an alternate, uh, alternate reality. And uh, yeah, and I feel like that's, that's just always been, my passion and yes, I've been like super bored of my like neighborhood and like neighborhood kids and stuff like that really early on. Like I never really uh, did any of that. Like I was like always either like singing in my house or dancing or doing some kind of thing that didn't really involve other kids. I was like really antisocial and really like just like a, everybody thought it was really weird. So uh, yeah, so I guess like from that as well. I just wanted to not deal with that and just make up something cooler than that. I wonder, was it also in in an effort to like, because here you are, you're you're young, you're growing up in in Germany, and and you're probably feeling all these things that are starting to spark up inside of you. And also, there's this other part where it's like, if I focus on this wonderful fantasy world, maybe I don't have to deal with this other stuff that's yeah. coming up for me. Was yeah, was that a sure. thing? Yeah, one million percent. I mean, I very early on also just like experienced like extreme like sadness and extreme like, you know, hating myself and self-deprecation and stuff like that. And being transgender and not liking the body you're in and then realizing you're going to go through puberty at some point or mm. like feeling stuck in your body. That was like a thing for me as long as I can remember. Like as long as I can remember, I felt… uh yeah, like when I like found out basically about like gender roles and like what gender means and stuff like that. And it's not reversible. Um, yeah, I just, I just like, I was, I was really suicidal at like 10. Like, so it was, yeah, it was kind of, kind of dark. And I was so lucky to have parents who were really supportive and who were like, at home, you can be whoever you want to be. But then like going to doctors and stuff like that, like the first thing, Obviously, I didn't go to like good doctors or anything. But first thing was like, yeah, your kid is crazy. And like shave your kid's hair off and try as a boy and like put on boy clothes. But like none of that changed anything. Mm. Like I did all of that stuff and it didn't change anything. And it was just like, yeah, it was for sure just like a grim little like reality that I was, you know, going to have to like go through stuff. And that I was very uncertain if I was going to get to transition um, and if I was going to have to go through, you know, uh, 
puberty. Because that's um, a pretty defining point, right? Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, yeah, it just if you, you know, it's irreversible stuff. Like, and I was like, I always loved singing. So I was like, what if my voice drops? So every morning I like got up really scared of like my voice dropping. Wow. And uh, yeah, because like I, I love my voice, you know, and I, and I didn't want to have like a really deep voice. And so that was like, since I was like, yeah, since I was a kid, every day I was really scared of that. And every morning was like panic and being scared and like crying and all that dramatic stuff. So yes, I think definitely that all all the stuff uh, of like making an alternate reality and like finding reality boring also had to do with like reality being kind of shitty for me, you know, like, or feeling shitty. Even though it wasn't. I know now there's a lot of worse cases and could have gone a lot of, you know, could have been a lot worse and I feel very lucky now now that I like look back at it but um yeah I definitely feel like that's that's a part of it when you say like you weren't sure whether you would be able to or allowed to transition Mm -hmm. was that just because obviously your parents were so supportive was it finding a doctor who would do it was it the legality in Germany like what was that like yeah, it, it was uh, finding the, the doctor to, to do it. We would like drive all around Germany to like find any doctor who had any knowledge. It was really, really hard. I mean, it was like 11 years ago or something. Like I started hormone therapy at like 11 or 12. Uh, so that's a while ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really hard. And we like eventually like found somebody in like Hamburg. You know, it was just like, and there's, you know, we, I was like an hour outside of Cologne, like really tiny, tiny village, like cows, like nothing. And I hated it so, so much. Um, but uh, yeah, um, we like drove all around for like, I think two years or something until we found somebody who was like, yeah, there's a thing called hormone therapy that we can actually do and uh, that we can do as early as now. And uh, yeah, and then I, I started hormone therapy at like 12 12 yeah uh and that was such a relief in in my life and like everything changed and I like really like um became a much happier person and a much more positive person and I felt like that was when like my life started and I started having friends and I started having you know I don't know having people over and stuff like that before that was always like something I would never do and I didn't want people to really to get to know me because I felt like I was in the wrong gender and I didn't want anybody to know that person you know so I wanted to so yeah once I got like the hormone therapy I opened up as a person and I started making friends and just like normal things like that my friend uh Fallon who I've had on the podcast who Mm -hmm. I knew when she was a man named Tony and Mm -hmm. she transitioned and she talked about the moment that she first took estrogen mm-hmm. and the power of hormones. And when yeah. you're a woman and you finally get that that wave of female hormone, she was like, it was earth shattering. It just completely changed. Like I finally felt comfortable for the first time. Like it must have been yeah. insane to get that first hit of hormone. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It was just really... I mean, nothing changes. Like, that that's the funny thing. Like, it's just like, it's a gradual thing, you know? It's, um, but just that you know you just took it is the amazing part of it, yeah. I think. Like, uh, um, 
And yeah, it it changed for sure. It like changed my whole life and I felt like I was on the right track and I wasn't uh anxious anymore as as much as I was before. I feel like anxiety is something I like carry with me anywhere. Like I'm a very anxious person. But um yeah, that was just when I started like being a person. So it was a very, very powerful, amazing moment for me. Was it, was there ever a fear? Like, it seems as though, and it's crazy to say this, even in this day and age that like someone like Frank Ocean or Lil Nas X, like were revered for being so comfortable to come out at the beginning of their career, Mm -hmm. because I guess, and I didn't observe this, but some people said it's just going to make it a much tougher road Yeah, because for whatever reasons, like, was that, was there ever a thought of like, this might make me being a public person and a public performer harder or, or invite, you know, just more challenge. Yeah. Not really for, for like me personally. I, I always felt like I just, I, I feel very proud of being trans and um, I never wanted to hide anything off that. And um, yeah, I just always kind of felt proud and confident about it. And whenever somebody would come up to me and talk to me about it, I would gladly talk talk about it. And uh, I, yeah, I just don't feel any shame in being transgender. And my mom like really taught me that, I think, just to not be ashamed of it ever. But yeah, people in general were like, are you sure you don't want to like hide it and like save right. it for like a magical like reveal, <laughs> you know, just like, or some like shit, you know? And I think just, that's so stupid. You know, I, I a lot of people it, like in music were like, let's calculate this out and let's make this like a stunt and make it a gimmick. And I hate that so much. Oh, and I, I hate it too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. So it was more like in music industry people, you know, and like, I, I got asked in like a really like really big like publishing companies meeting like so are you transgender because it's trendy right now and like no it was so offensive and it was this like super successful woman in music like and uh, yeah I just like busted that one out and it was so you know it was just like it was some crazy experiences just with uh, people in the music industry and their opinions on it. And I, I never asked for anybody's opinion on it. And like, I mean, CJ was there for all of it. So CJ knows all about it. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, it was crazy because then all, all everybody would talk about was there's this trans girl who makes music. And it's just like, ugh, like, right, does that so an- annoying. Like, don't you want to like, I, it was very hard to be taken as anything else, but the trans girl, that's kind of good, you know? Like, does that annoy that. you ever with like that? Maybe you feel as though that walks in the room before you. It did so hard. Yeah, it did in the beginning of my career so hard. I just wanted it to kind of uh, to downplay it. I turned down a bunch of interviews of like being about being transgender. And I was like, fuck that. I've talked about that because I used to do documentaries and stuff when I was like 13, 14 in Germany. Um, and it was like really just educational shit. I would just like <laughs> talk about the experience of being transgender. Young with my Kim Patrice of Cologne, Germany. I know, pop star and medical <laughs> sensation. Oh. Um, yeah, that's just awful. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it sucked. Um, so when I kind of when I came here and I, I kind of had a clean slate, I, I just thought like, um, yeah, I, I thought. 
of it as something that's that I don't want to do again. And I thought of it as something that's going to be gimmicky and that people are going to like use or try to use. And so I never really spoke about it. And I worked with everybody and their mom and uh, nobody ever had a problem with it. And some people found out later and like the music, like music makers have been so amazing about it. Like mm. I, you know, and, and I've done like a lot of hip hop sessions where you should think like it would be scary or it would be weird to be transgender and none of that. Like they've always just been like, that's super dope. I love that. Let's make another song. You know, like I feel like with the creators, it's been great. But then once like press started being a thing, it started becoming all about that. And, uh, and I feel it felt really gimmicky about it and I didn't want like the trans community to think I'm like using it in any way or making it like uh, a gimmick or anything like I just wanted to be like uh, seen as any other artist you know and that also means like getting judged like against like hey how is this song like against like a Lady Gaga song or like a any woman song you know not Lady Gaga but you know what I mean? Sure, like any, yeah. Just another like female pop woman. Star. Like I was just always category like queer LGBTQ artists and never mentioned in the same sentence as, you know, anybody who's not gay or who's not trans or who's not. So that was just something like I love the gay community. I love the LGBTQ community. I'm not ashamed of that. But I was just like… I want to be judged as, you know, as a musician and as a talented person and as a songwriter. And uh, there's never anything about that in any of these articles. It's just always like, you know, it's just uh, just trans stuff. And so in the beginning, it really bugged me. And then I kind of realized the just significance I have to the trans community uh, now uh, and that that got me. And so that kind of just changed my whole view on it and I think now I see it differently I, I don't I think it's really important for me to speak about it I think um, it was kind of childish and just something that I you know had like bottled up for so long that I was just annoyed at anything that would mention me being trans and I was just like yo I just want you to see how hard I worked on actually becoming a good songwriter like because that's right. what I'm proud of in life and uh and people just want some clickbait yeah cookie I mean yeah. just on such a shallow level like they I do I lost 100 pounds and I was on television fat yeah. as fuck and then I lost all this weight and it was like I, I can't tell you and still I'm sure till I'm, I don't know, in my 50s. I'm sure yeah. it'll be like somewhere in the article. Yeah, But for of years, it was like, former fatty turned, oh uh, turned no. heartthrob. And I was like, oh, fuck off. so dark. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Let me live. Yeah, yeah that sucks. But I get it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, but now I, I kind of just look at it and I'm like, it's still so important to just get… Um, the word transgender out there as a thing. Yeah. Uh, and it just kind of started in America with Caitlyn Jenner and all of that stuff and being on the cover of Vogue and, you know, and that was all like amazing, but it started so much earlier in reality. And like, there was like Marsha P. Johnson who like threw the first brick at Stonewall and like who we like owe pride to and like everything, you know, like the trans community goes back so, so far. And, um, yeah, and it's just kind of now getting like the visibility and I think that's just important to educate people about it. So like maybe someday it can be like in a, you know, a book in school that it's like, hey, transgender people exist, you know, just like a tiny chapter that's like this exists and has existed. Yeah. 
be cool with it, you know? Yeah, recognize. I was just like, yeah. So I'm like, so I feel like I'm a part of that. And now I just like, um, you know, I, I like to talk about it. And I, and I think that's a part of change and changing the world um, is talking about it. And I think I'm being given a really great platform and I think I would waste it if I didn't talk about it so uh that's kind of how I felt about it and I've kind of turned my annoyance around and I still sometimes get really really annoyed um with the same exact questions and uh I, I there's definitely now like boundaries to me you know just stuff that I don't cross anymore like in the beginning it would be like literal like questions about like surgeries or hormone therapy or stuff like that and I just feel like I'm not the person to do that but like talking about being a trans woman in the music industry I'll gladly do and I don't have a problem with and I don't want people to feel like scared to ask me anything about being transgender you know I want to be like I still feel proud of it but yes I did and sometimes still do feel really annoyed that people are like uh kind of limiting me to just being transgender instead of listening to my music and uh, comparing it to whatever other artists or whatever other, you know, to, uh, yeah, like pop music, you know? I, I think that's natural. And I, I remember hearing from friends like Fallon and other friends in, in the trans community who, with the Caitlyn Jenner of it all, were like, we're so grateful that it's, such a public moment mm -hmm. and entering, you know, really expanding the conversation. Yeah. And they said, what we wish was an added layer to this was that Caitlin has such a specific life and has so much privilege and the money and the ability in which to do this. Yes. And for so many of us, it's not the case. And Absolutely. it's so much harder. Absolutely. And I mean, I was, um, born and raised in Germany where there's health insurance. So I had a much easier time. I, I wasn't rich. I wasn't poor. Um, I had my, my health insurance covered my transition, which is something incredible because my parents couldn't have afforded it. Yeah. And so I'm privileged in that way. And it's very crazy the way that it is for, for trans people in general in, in America and how hard it is to get any kind of treatment, how expensive it is, uh, how much like violence there is. It's very uh, sad and uh, things need to change. And like all the time there's, you know, stuff like laws getting like reversed and people trying to take rights away and people trying to move things backwards. And it's just, it's sad. And that's why I feel like it's important I talk about it. Yeah. Even if I personally, sometimes I'm like, talk about my music. But I, that's why I feel like it's important for me to talk about it, bring visibility to it, and to be a proud member of it, and to help bring awareness to it. Um, yeah. I think I heard on a, uh, another interview you did, was your first sort of introduction to loving pop music was a Max Martin documentary you were watching? Yes. So I got to ask this. I got yes. a Max Martin, genius songwriter, Swedish. Yes. It seems like a lot of these hit makers come from Sweden. Yeah. What's in the water in Sweden? Why are they so good at making hits? I don't know. What uh, is it? I don't know, but there's <laughs> just so many great melodies coming from over there and like great singers and great anything. But good pop and good electronic yeah, music. Yeah, like amazing. Um, I feel like it probably... It's just a guess. Like, yeah. I don't know. Germany yeah. is definitely not Sweden. Completely different vibe. 
in Germany, there's like Zed and that's like it. And like Rammstein. We're right. like, cool, who are from Germany, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in music. Um, but uh, I, I guess somebody told me who I wrote, used to write with a lot, uh, this guy, uh, Jones Wedderberg. Um, he's really, really good. And yeah, also CG's had, like, buddy. Yeah, yeah. And he had, like great melodies um, and all that stuff and just like had it. And he was like, it's because it's uh, dark so much in the winter and people are just inside and like in their feelings. And uh, it's really, really cool because, you know, it's like, dark for a half of the year or something yeah, like and then 18 like 18 like, hours a day yeah like crazy um and he said it's just so depressing that people just um go inside and write songs and yeah but also i guess just the crazy like history and uh like royal bloodline of pop with like max martin and uh I think Dennis Pop and Abba and uh, the I saw the sign Ace of Base. Ace of Base Swedish. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. Listen, the I mean, Max. I think Max wrote like uh, Max and like this guy Dennis Pop like wrote most of this uh, Ace of Base stuff. What? So I, I think, or they took from it, or something. But they all have something to do with each other, and they're all kind of just like, yeah. They all just kind of happened after each other. So I think it all goes back to ABBA. Yeah. And it all goes back to ABBA being so successful. And uh, I mean, they took part in the Eurovision Song Contest and won. And then became this huge thing. And I mean, their music is still some of the most impressive, amazing pop music ever made to me. Like ABBA, like, it's, is insane. It's damn good. Yeah, they're, they're crazy. The, 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 the like chords the melodies they're nuts and I think so much of modern pop is based off of ABBA and uh, yeah I mean if I was Swedish I would study the shit out of ABBA <laughs> and you know learn anything I can about that and then uh, make it into my own and you know try to become a Max Martin so I'm just like fascinated with with him because I feel like he just like studied pop really well and like but, but you've figured talked- out something cool like you're a real, you've really broken down pop. Like you're, Thanks. Uh, you, and you're like, you're proudly like, I like, like almost as if it was an equation, right? Cause pop of all music is slightly an equation. Yes. Maybe you'd agree. Yeah, totally. So here's, okay. So we're at the Kim Petras masterclass, you know, that the masterclass you see yes. on YouTube. So like you're teaching you know, without giving away all your secrets, but like you're teaching a small class of songwriters. What are your like one or two tenants when it comes to pop music where you're like, you got to get this right first. This is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I don't anymore think there's rules to making music. I think now for me, it's more interesting to break some rules than to mm. follow them. In the beginning, I was very but you obsessed. you got to know them, right? Yeah, but you got to know them. I think I think that's a valid thing that you got to know the rules in order to break them. Yeah. Um, I think something a lot of people never think about is like the, um, you know, thinking about the different notes that you're on in the song and the different parts to set them apart. Like I always, I think to the T in every single song, uh, my pre is always lower than my chorus. So the chorus pops and like the first note, like never touch the first note of the chorus and always stay below that so that the chorus like jumps out at you. Interesting. Um, so yeah, so you don't spoil the chorus, you know, um, or be really high above it and then do like a lower thing. 
uh, on the course. But I, I almost always follow that. And then something people don't really think about. And this is also largely Aaron. Aaron's walking around. Uh, we're in this house together with my friend Alex. We're just writing songs every day. So it's, it's cool that she came over. Um, also, uh, like cadences. I, I like to make cadences different um, in every part of the song and just think about like, okay, what cadence have you not explored? And like, try not to be in ex exactly the same pocket as the chorus in the pre or in the verse and try other rhythms or longer notes. Or, you know, if you go really short in the chorus, then you should have a part that probably has really long ones. So they, you, you set them apart. Mm. I think it's all about like setting things um, apart. Uh, just making them pop, making every part pop and work with each other really well. And that's something that I've definitely learned from Aaron and Luke and uh, Kojak and uh, even CJ and anybody I've worked with. It's It's been so interesting because I used to just write songs without ever thinking about a melody and, uh, you know, just uh, kind of just wrote what I felt and that's like how I started and Now a lot of songs I write just going in, having no single word and just laying out like the skeleton and then later adding in uh, words. Yeah. And and I think that's that's something that I always just like to think about. Like, do I want to break that rule? Is it worth breaking that rule? Or does this chorus like deserve to really like go the fuck off and like, you know, come yeah. in really hard? And the the best way you can do that is just to contrast it with going lower in, in, in the verse if you're gonna go high in the chorus so I think that is like a formula rule that I just I think about breaking it you know I, I, I break it but I, I think about it and I'm like how do I make up for that and how do I make it pop in a different way because I think a lyric can make something really stand out and I think a different tone and I think a different like belting something versus like whispering something and all of that stuff you know I think you can contrast it like that but I yeah I, I love to just think about how I can make it a really interesting, entertaining journey. Kind of like… It's texture, right? Because you'll yeah. hear… Like, you'll hear someone with a really nice voice who can hit all the notes. Yes. But there's just nothing special about it. Yeah, and it's just not entertaining. And it's just like… And uh, you can't say it's bad. You're no, like, not at all. You, you hit not the note. You're not flat. Yeah. <laughs> but… No, it's weird. There's like… I mean, there's technically so many singers who are so much better than me. But I feel like I make up for it and just… Um, Not being different and being proud of being different like standing out. I think that's something that I always make up for with. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm learning the technical stuff about my voice now because I'm touring and I have to do it every single day. Now. Do you that's stop something. smoking? Yeah, I stopped smoking. Oh <laughs> really? my God, I used to like smoke like a chimney. I mean… Like, I used to be so German. It wasn't German. there. You used, to, yeah. you used to crush a pack of smokes and then walk into the yeah. booth at CJ's house. And, yes. And sing your ass off. Yeah. But no, totally. But I definitely like damaged my voice. Yeah, and <laughs> you can't that. sustain that. Yeah, you cannot. You you absolutely cannot. So yes, I I quit smoking. I still like German ass me. Like sometimes it's still like I really like whenever I'm drunk. I really like want to smoke a cigarette. I just I love it. I've always loved it. That's just everyone, Kim. Yeah, but <laughs> it's it's uh. But yeah, it's been this last year of touring. I am mad at myself if I don't hit a note. I'm mad at myself if I 
did something the night before that I was not in the condition to be at 100% at a show. Like I get so pissed at myself and no one else does. Like everybody's like, great show and no one notices, but like I get pissed at myself. So I had to, you know, take any, uh, you know, precaution and learn how to take care of myself and stuff like that so I can be on 100% every single night. And uh, that's just something I'd rather cancel a show than not. Like I'm and I know that's not cool and I've definitely like, I've performed sick, all that stuff. Like I don't do it unless like unless I'm really, really sick, I don't cancel a show. But you know, I there's a part of me that feels like I'd rather not do a show and then halfway be less than the best I can be. Yeah. I remember seeing like a documentary on Celine Dion. Oh shit, Queen. Dude, she was in she was literally in the bathroom because it had better acoustics of like some insane arena. Yeah. Warming up for 45 minutes. And yeah. I was like, this is why you're the greatest. Yeah. Like it, just how much she takes care. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, I've been listening. Uh, I'm such a fan of the NPR Tiny Desk concerts. Mm -hmm. And you know what I find? That for many of the artists who I fall in love with and their songs, when I hear it, on Tiny Desk because it's a stripped down acoustic version. Yeah. Is that I'll fall in love with it and I'll be like, I got to get the real version on iTunes and I'll listen to the produced version and not not like it, Kim. Yeah, but like it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Wow. Like, and I'll be like, you screwed up this gorgeous like oh, yeah. melody and and obviously the singer can sing it. They're singing it without any help yeah. here. But like they, jazz, they put too much razzle dazzle mm -hmm, on it. Does, mm -hmm. that, does that happen? One million percent. Really? Easily, yeah. Uh, that's one of the, I think, as important as what you do is what you don't do. And uh, that's something that a lot of people don't even consider. You know, it's just like, oh, but but it's a crazy run. But it's a crazy note. But I'm hitting this insane note that's really hard to hit. Or like, it doesn't matter if it's too much. It's, it's too much. And uh, like for me, a lot of the times, like other people have to do this to me all the time. Because yeah. I'm like… No, I want to show I can do this run. And I'm really proud of that. I came up with it and shit like that. But I do realize like it's too much. The melody is too busy. There's too much going on already. And yeah, I think uh, I think like just accepting when something is good and knowing when something is good and you don't have to add anything is a very particular gift and a very rare, rare gift. And a lot of people who know how to who have it are really successful and have a huge value um, because they know the difference between this is cheesy and this is cool and clean and crisp. And yeah. uh, I think somebody in my life who really knows Aaron, uh, like he's like so good at that um, that I, I feel like it's… Yeah, I mean, I'm also like kind of a songwriting team at this point with Aaron, which is really, really cool because like we're very contrast to each other. I love doing a million harmonies and I love doing a million uh, embellishments and stuff like that. And he's kind of more a simpler person. And I think together we've just kind of like found this middle ground that feels really good. So yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think what you don't do is as important as what you do. And uh, to always think about that is like, it's, it's always on my mind, you know, it's always on my mind. Like if something feels great, like let it breathe. Like don't try to make, don't add an extra harmony to it. It's not, you know, worth it. It doesn't hit as hard. Sometimes, sometimes what hits hardest is just a single amazing vocal take that you really felt and nothing else. You know, sometimes that is so much more impressive and brave 
and uh, to take that chance than to go and over, you know, over perfect it to leave something in that like has a rasp in it or has like a little crack in it or a break or just something that you felt can sometimes be way better than to go back in and, you know, engineer the shit out of it. Yeah. I, it's funny. I, I get that from my wife who, you know, thank God she'll watch something I'm working on and she'll be like, mm. take the sauce out of it. You yeah. know, like, you're getting a little too greased up with this one, but it's great because like I trust her taste. Yeah. And I feel like she likes good shit. And so yeah. if she can slightly dial me up or down. Yeah. It's so helpful because I really, I I know I can get in the ballpark of good, but yeah. I really need help from my friends to yeah, really get Yeah, me too. I great. mean, I'm nothing without them. I, I feel it's one of the most fun parts for me as well to fight with my friends about, about like what I should do in a song. And most of my friends are songwriters just because I started that way and because I relate and because I know the struggle of being a songwriter and because I just feel like I, you know, belong in that world. So for for me, it's just like a huge part of my relationships and my friendships is music. Um, but I, I also feel like it's made me so much better to have people whose taste I really trust and who I, uh, yeah, who have different opinions than mine and who like make me second guess things and make me, you know, do it again and make me try again. And it's it's hard to make yourself do that a lot of the times, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, the final question, the thing that I ask everyone on the podcast. Uh -huh. um, what are your one or two Kim Petras commandments, truths that you have discovered that you would want to impress upon someone else? Oh, my God. Take your time. Yeah. <laughs> Just that so <laughs> I'll buy you time. Listeners, uh, Kim's wearing an incredible Star Wars hat. That's right. Uh, it's a fun streetwear collab uh, with a brand I've never heard of because I'm probably not cool enough to wear it. But <laughs> that's not right. That's not true. Um, Thank you. And you're a part of Star Wars. So true. That's why I put this on. I appreciate it. <laughs> I love that you're a fan of my work. Yeah. Love your work <laughs> in Star Wars. My Thank favorite. Uh, yesterday, I taped Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, and uh, it was my first like live performance on there. And I was really working up to it for, for a long time. And then when I got there, um, it was a lot of like, are, are you sure you really want to perform this? Or you just want to like record a track and then lip sync to it? And it's just like, that's just like the opposite of what I'd ever want to do. You know, mm. just like the creative team like went wild and was like, no, we want to do all this stuff. And I was like, no, I'm doing a performance. Like I'm really singing. I always really sing uh, and stuff like that. And people kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And they were like, oh, but why would you want that when I could be perfect? And I, and I think it's just like to to trust in yourself and stand up for yourself when stuff like that happens and trust in your vision and Trust what you believe in is the key to my success. And the key to my success is not a, per, a, a different person. It's, uh, you know, obviously I get help that I'm so appreciative for and I couldn't do it by myself. But it's in the stuff that I have the visions for that I need to be brave enough to believe in and to be crazy enough to believe in um, to do and to not be, uh, you know... Um, happy with it until it's the way you like it and I think that's the key to any kind of like success you just need to find out what you really want to do and stick to it and when people um you know think you're crazy for it like you 
need to stand up for yourself. So I think that's something that I've like learned uh, in general. It's just um, standing up for myself in in, in, in in like situations like that. Um, and yeah, and then in the end, everybody was like, "Wow, that was fucking amazing! You killed it!" You know, everybody was so happy that it was a real performance, and that's something that you know you can you can watch and it's real. There's something real in it. So. So yeah, sometimes people are just confused and you need to, to show them how to show do it. Show them the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess that was something that happened yesterday. It was on my mind. Um, and other than that, like, you know what? Just do your thing, bitch. Just rock it. Rock it, rock it bitch. <laughs> Shout out to right. Chris for bringing bringing he's basically brought the whole world together let's be honest yeah he did he's a connector i know he's and he's such a sweetie and a crackhead and i love him very dearly i love him and i yeah <laughs> shout out fucking super chris we love you that was it that was kim petrus wasn't that good it was so good right so good uh if you like the pod feel free to Throw us a review and give the pod five stars. It means a lot and it helps the pod to grow. And if you don't want to do it, I don't blame you. I don't do it much. But be better than me. Be better than your Uncle Josh, okay? I believe in you. It's possible. It is possible. Not easy, but possible. All right, guys. Love you. See you next week. Bye.